Hello, Duncan Green here with a roundup of posts on From Poverty to Power from the last week and a half. Um, so I kicked off when I got back from holidays with a guest post from Sebastian Bock, who teaches, doesn't teach, he's a student at the LSE International, Insti- International Inequalities Institute. And I've been helping him with his blogging and mentoring and that kind of thing. And he had a really interesting piece on evolutionary biology, which was exploring things like uh, if it's true that, pr- that human beings feel most comfortable in a group of a maximum size of 150, what does this mean for the kind of uh, change processes we're interested in? How do we identify these groups within society? What does it mean for much larger scale groups of people and how they operate? Very interesting. The next post was something I've been kicking around with in various presentations, which is if you look back uh, to the mid-70s, um, when a lot of our current, I think, underlying ideas about north-south, first world, third world, developed, developing countries, were, uh, those sort of framings were formed, it's based on a two-hump global distribution of income where you have a, a big lump of poor people, at a low income, and then a uh, sort of hollow, and then another lump of richer people, but not as big a hump, which is Europe and America, basically. Um, And that led to a focus on north-south, a focus on poverty and ending poverty. If you fast forward to the current distribution of income globally, it's a single hump. Um, And that single hump is because Asia has grown out out of poverty, and you've got... uh, and, and so the, the post speculates on what that means and the implications of that shift from a two-hump world to a one-hump world, for example, in moving from a focus on north-south and inequality uh, and poverty to a focus on inequality within and between countries um, and a focus from on a them and us to a, a bigger us where we're actually all uh, experiencing similar problems. I think I probably overstated the shift and lots of people pushed back and um, I've got an author coming on next week uh, saying why he thinks I'm wrong. But it certainly got an interesting discussion going. Then the next day was International Women's Day, so I just reposted an 1895 poem on intersectionality, as it would now be called. A really interesting debate between a socialist and a suffragist written by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Um, It just raises some very topical issues about um, do you care more about class or gender? What kind of inequalities matter? How do they intersect? So I thought it was quite nice to put that up. Then this Monday, I had my usual links I liked roundup from the internet. And um, I particularly liked a great spoof movie trailer for the white saviour complex uh, and the use of white saviour figures in movies. Um, which which was very funny. Tuesday, we had a review of a new book called Getting to Zero on uh, the experience of Ebola in Sierra Leone, written by a doctor and a diplomat both involved. Uh, that's um, Sinead Walsh and uh, Oliver Johnson, both involved at the time. And the authors were Melissa Parker and Johanna um, Hainfeld, the authors of the blog, uh, who are both at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. So some, a nice summary of what sounds like an extremely good book on the, the, the Ebola experience. 
On Wednesday, I interviewed a friend of mine, Aidan Ayakuzi, who runs this fantastic NGO called Tuaweza in Tanzania. Aidan is in fascinating on this question of civil society's role in countries like Tanzania and the crackdown on civil society space, civic space, which is currently going on both in Tanzania and in many, many other countries. Um, Aidan himself has had his passport taken away for when Tuaweza released... Um, uh, polling data that suggested the president wasn't quite as popular as he was saying uh, and he still hasn't got his passport back so he knows what he's talking about and I thought it was a very nice 15 minute podcast which is getting quite a lot of interest then Thursday and Friday I downloaded from a conference I attended last week of DFID's social development advisors DFID is the only aid agency, uh, you know, bilateral aid agency, which has a cadre, as they call them, of social development advisors. So Thursday, I, I, I summarized my remarks to their sort of pre-dinner drink session on what could be a more uh, ambitious role for social development advisors in a world where they are alone in this. And it's based on the idea that... Um, social development advisors could lead us towards a more nuanced understanding of what it is to be human. That for me, I'm increasingly struck by how crude the aid sector's understanding of the human condition is compared to, say, psychologists, psychotherapists, anthropologists. And we really need to bring insights into things like fear and love and solidarity, because as long as we just talk about you know, individual um, uh, max, maximization of utility or uh, vague terms like power within and power with, we're not really going to be seriously engaging with what it is to be a human being and, the, and to understand agency and activism and social change. And then Friday, I summarized a very nice talk from John Gaventer at IDS, who was himself summarizing the first couple of years of research in, this, uh, in, a, in a research program called Action for Empowerment and Accountability, which I've written about because I'm part of that, that research program. He was trying to summarize the emergent findings of Action for Empowerment and Accountability, and I thought he did a very good job, so I just summarized his PowerPoint, a uh, very easy way to generate a blog. So I hope that's enough for you to be going on with. Have a good weekend. Talk to you next week.